My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular, entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciakathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. everyone and welcome back. This is your host Patricia and today I'm sitting down with Mary Fane Brandt. Mary is the CEO and founder of the LinkedIn Bakery as well as founder of Mary Fane Brandt Coaching and Consulting. Welcome Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here talking to you and in this space where female founders and future entrepreneurs and business owners can um, help level each other up. Absolutely. I'm excited to kind of unpack everything that you're doing. I think your story is going to really um, nice, be a nice addition to the stories that we've had so far over the past um, 18 months on this podcast. And for everyone listening, a really quick um, roadmap of today's podcast is going to follow the same trajectory as all of them in that the roadmap will be um, investigating Mary's academic background and early professional life. And then we will turn to unpacking the LinkedIn Bakery, as well as Mary Fane Brandt Coaching and Consulting, those two different endeavors of hers. Um, we'll get into the logistics of you know who, what, when, where, how, why, and then we'll kind of get into the ethos of both companies as well. Then we'll turn our attention towards the goals that Mary has for the next three years um, in either or both of those companies regarding scaling, expansion, um, brand changes, anything she has planned for the horizon. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Mary may have for those of you looking to emulate what she does or currently get involved with her work now. So a quick bio on Mary. Mary Fame Brandt is the CEO and founder of the LinkedIn Bakery and Mary Fame Brandt Coaching and Consulting. She's a national LinkedIn trainer and strategist who works with savvy businesswomen, not to mention a few guys here and there, who want to stand out as experts in their industry and get more clients using LinkedIn. She has worked with over 500 plus clients worldwide. Mary is the host of her own live show, Bite-Sized Tips for Busy Entrepreneurs, as well as the creator of two online courses. The courses are The Job Seeker's Guide to Building Your LinkedIn Profile and How to Find Clients Using LinkedIn, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Turning Your LinkedIn Profile into a Lead Magnet. Known for her fun and informative style, she is an energetic speaker and workshop facilitator who creates engaging learning environments. So I am so excited, Mary, to kind of climb into your companies and what they do. I've had, I have had some re recent experience with, I think, companies of a similar nature, and I can't wait to kind of unpack it. But first, will you drop us into your academic background and your early professional life? 
Sure, I'd love to. Again, just thank you so much for having me on your show. And Absolutely. I hope everyone listening gets a, a nugget or two of tips or inspiration or motivation. So um, I didn't go to college right after high school. I, I tried and um, it just didn't work for me at the time. I was the sole provider. And so I worked full time mm -hmm. and going to school just didn't work. I went back to school. I went to a junior college to get all my lower uh, credits done. And then I transferred to Chapman and I got my first degree when I was, I want to say 38. Nice. So I got my bachelor's at Chapman University in organizational leadership. And I did that the satellite campuses, but it was in-person classes. And then it was, I had such a great experience at Chapman and I love organizational leadership, learning about people and cultures, right? And how we're perceived by people. Um, and how we learn differently. And so I went on and I got my master's and I did that with Chapman again with a blended classes of online and in-person. I'm still in touch with some of um, my peers from my classes. Some, nice. some, some of them came to my wedding. I, I got married only six years ago. So um, okay. yeah, so my education was a little different. It's not that go to high school, go to college, get a job. Mine was work while I was in high school. My parents were divorced. So again, I was working to support myself, help my mom out, um, went back to college, learned so much. And I think I valued it because I paid for it myself. Mm -hmm. I was working full time, going to school. So talk about those late nights. Um, yeah. But it was, uh, I always say that education, no one can ever take that away from you right? Mm -hmm. It's yours. Yeah. You've earned it. You own it. No one can ever take that away from you. And I, I'm a big proponent of education, all types of education. So whether it's college or seminars or conferences, I'm what they call a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. I love to learn. And if I could get paid just to study and, and share what I learn, I would just do that. And I guess oh, I tried to do that. My truth. That is right? everything. If there's a free lecture, I'm there. I'm early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just want to soak it up it. and then yeah. I want to share it with the world, you know, so yeah. I'm a very enthusiastic person. And when I love something, I tell everyone about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether it's a process, you know, we studied a lot of change development, you know, and as, as human beings, we do not like change. We do not embrace change because we fear it. But once you kind of understand that, then there's different ways to um, look at change and different ways to uh, put change into a process. So that was like huge for me in my organizational leadership classes. Um, that and just understanding, you know, the high viewpoint. We talked a lot about the view from the balcony versus the view from the dance floor, which are two totally different yeah. um, uh, viewpoints for people and uh, Did they strategically put that into, I'm wondering, because that metaphor for me speaks to like, the view of a company um, yeah. and, and what it is from within as opposed to what it is to your customer from without. Well, it's also what the management sees okay. yeah, from within. up here and the team players are down here and you've got to bring your view down on the dance floor where everything's happening. The view's pretty up from the balcony, right? Mm -hmm. But the work is getting done down on the dance floor. So yeah. you need to have a view down there. So yeah, there's just, I I could talk about organizational leadership, team <laughs> development, change management. Like it brings me back to what I learned in college. And obviously I really, really enjoyed what I learned and I take it to heart. I get to use some of that now in my business and in my personal life.
did your did your degree kind of launch you into your starting up the LinkedIn bakery or was it like a kind of a windier path? Um, so it definitely did not get me to start my business. My entrepreneur journey is much different, I feel, from most people. I did not want to be an entrepreneur. So when I when I graduated with my master's degree, I was working at the Bishop School in La Jolla. Great private school. I really thought I would probably stay there and see my years out there. I had a pool to swim in at lunch. We had milk break and lunch brought to us. I mean, it was a sweet gig. I yeah. ran on by the cove after work. Um, and so when I got my master's, everyone's like, well, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. I have a great job. Right. Um, and it was 2000, uh, 2008, you know, and 2007 and then 2011 when I got my master's. So, you know, mm -hmm. the economy up and down, I wasn't going to do anything. So I stayed put. Um, yeah. So I stayed put for a while and then things shifted. At what caused the shift? Management there. Um, okay. My boss and I just never saw eye to eye. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I work with with my clients. I tell them life is too short. It's not a dress rehearsal. Don't be stuck in a career that doesn't fulfill you. I was right. walking on eggshells. I had anxiety. Um, I had insomnia. And I have something, it was called the Sunday sickies, where you get so full of anxiety on Sunday night about going to your job on Monday that you get sick, you can't sleep, you call in sick on Monday because you're just full of tension. So those of you that are listening, you can't see me. But Kathleen can say, like, I'm clenching up even <laughs> about it. And I do that naturally, like not even thinking about it. It was so bad. And I thought I had to stay there. And we don't. We have options. But taking a chance, making a move, making a change is scary, right? right. We yeah. fear the unknown. Um, and so what happened was my mother got sick. So I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad had his own real estate company. I tried working for him. I was like, no, because he had great months and then he had bad months. It was like, yay, we're rolling in the money, Mary. Everything's great. Oh, we don't have any money. Healthcare yeah. is, you know, $400 a month. This was way back then. And so I saw my dad go through the struggles. And so it wasn't a journey I was ready to take. And so that's why I say my journey to entrepreneurship is a little different. I didn't seek out to be an entrepreneur. I was kind of forced or thrusted into it. When my mother got sick, put a lot of strain on me at my job, I decided to leave so I could be her caregiver and take care of her. And I had already coached some people out of jobs at Bishop's. I was meeting with them at lunch. We were talking through what they liked, what they didn't like, and two of them left the school for better opportunities. And this was all for free. You know, I was kind of like just that go-to person. So it made sense that I would want to help more women find fulfilling um, careers. And so at that point when I left, um, I couldn't get a nine to five job because I needed to be there for my mom. She had Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and I wanted to keep her at home as long as possible. And so what I did is I worked part-time at another school while I launched my business and launching a business, you guys, it's not easy. I can't lie. It, it, it's hard. It takes a lot of your time, your resources, your money, and you don't know what you don't know. And one day I'm going to write a book about how to save $10,000 your first year because I bought every program out there. I spent a lot of money that I didn't need to because I thought everything had to be perfect to launch right. websites and logos and 
and, and you do need to work on all that, but I've already changed my web. I changed my website and my logo within two years of launching because it wasn't right the first time because I didn't do the homework. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that evolution is, you know, it can be a lot, a lot more gentle if it is allowed to be more malleable in the beginning and grow, you know, that kind of like, just get something up and you can change it later. I think. Absolutely. I highly recommend that. Just go for it, get something out there, uh, work with a branding expert to, to um, establish your brand. Like I know my brand now I can describe it in four words. It's fun and informative, casual and conversational. That is who I am. That is who my brand is. I was trying to fit myself inside a box. So Mm -hmm. my advice to you is be you in this day and age, just be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to put yourself in a box and look like everybody else out there in social media because there's only one you and you have something valuable to bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, how did it kind of come together? How did you recognize? So the LinkedIn bakery, first give us a little bit of a background. So exactly what is it? So the LinkedIn bakery, that's a, a second division of my company, Mary Fame Brandt Coaching and Consulting. I started as a career coach, helping women because I didn't want to see, I didn't want women to go through what I went through, feeling stuck trapped, didn't know how to execute a job search, didn't know what platforms to be on. So I started as a career coach. And one thing I found is all my clients needed help with LinkedIn. Like they either weren't on the platform or they had a profile that was probably four years old and didn't Mm -hmm. showcase their true talents and skills. So I started learning about LinkedIn and then I was doing some seminars and conferences and I had this light go off that, oh my gosh, entrepreneurs need to be on this platform Biz, you know, and it was always thought of LinkedIn was always thought of as a platform to put your resume. Yeah. Pop your resume up there. Right. And find a job. So when I started this, um, well, five years ago now, I always would say that LinkedIn was the ugly duckling of the social media platforms. It was clunky. Absolutely. I would agree. Yeah. It wasn't user friendly. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't valuable content out there. And thankfully it's really improved. Um, so what happened? I was working with clients. They needed help with LinkedIn. And so I went into full training mode and then I saw an opportunity for entrepreneurs to stand out. You know, you don't have to pay to be on LinkedIn. You can do all, everything I teach. You can do it, um, using the free version. And so fast forward to April 30th, 2016, and my mom passed. Hmm. And I hadn't rebranded yet, but it took me a couple months to work through that. And to be honest, I was like, okay, God, I had a lot of conversations with God. I was like, okay, if I need to go get a job, um, I'll go do this now because I'm not tied to, you know, taking care of my mom. And I had no clients at the time, right? Because I was taking care of her and my clients had wrapped up and I wasn't really marketing And I got one client for $79. I know that sounds hilarious, but it was like an intro strategy session. And then I got an opportunity to do a workshop for $150. Again, it sounds ridiculous, but it was these little breadcrumbs that were coming into my path that got me excited that like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. I have a purpose. I'm supposed to use what I've learned to help other people. And so we rebranded in 2017 in the LinkedIn bakery that honors my mom because she was this amazing baker and I inherited that skill. 
So the LinkedIn bakery is serving up bite-sized tips. I wanted my brand to be more of who I am, a little mm -hmm. more fun, colorful. I didn't want, most people think LinkedIn is boring. Um, and it's, it's just all professional and it is a professional platform, but it's okay to infuse some of your personality. So I wanted to rebrand with a fun name that would get people thinking like, Oh, what is that? And I wanted to honor my mom. So yeah. when we rebranded, we also give 3% of all sales to the local Alzheimer's association. Oh, wonderful. That's a great, yeah. that's a great um, contribution to her and her memory and her name. I so think that all companies should give back. <laughs> like that's just part of who I am. Like you, every company should be set up from day one where you're giving back something. Absolutely. So the, now differentiating the bakery for me, um, are the two, the two online courses, are those through the bakery or are those through the coaching and consulting? Well, they're, they're actually on Teachable. So they're both there so anyone can find them. So the career coaching one, right, for the job seekers, mm -hmm. that is through Mary Fane Brandt Coaching and Consulting. And then the one for the entrepreneurs is really through the LinkedIn Bakery. And how did both of those courses come about? Was it just a collection of knowledge over the past two years that you just wanted to put into course? So I started this journey in 2014. We rebranded in 2017. So it's been about five year, four years of learning about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I used to hold live workshops, right? Monthly LinkedIn labs. And we'd get 10 to 12 people together. We did that for two years. And then they started dying down. And I, I couldn't serve the masses, right? There's so many people that could do so well on LinkedIn, but I don't have time to serve the one-on-one -on -one coaching takes up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to create courses where people could go and learn everything that I teach in a one-on-one. -on -one. But the beauty about my courses is I I've taken so many online courses. Half the time you don't finish them or you mm -hmm. get stuck, right? You get stuck and you have paralysis analysis and you can't move forward. So with my courses, they all come with live office hours. So once a week, I go live, students can tune in, uh, they can ask questions, they can get immediate feedback, they can share their profiles, or their, if it's a job-seeking course, they can share their car statements or their day in the dream job. Whatever course you're in, we have live office hours so that you have a accountability, feedback, and immediate help, right? Right. Have you ever taken an online course where you get stuck or you don't finish yeah. it? Oh, right? sure. Yeah. And it's also, I get bored. You know, if it's not right. written beautifully, if the interaction isn't correct. I mean, there's an absolute elegant, I've, I've, I've taught online courses as an art history professor and there is an art to it. You know, there's, it's a completely different platform. It integrates some of the same axiomatic details as the knowledge taught in person or in class, you know, in, in lecture, but there's, be, there's different tools that you can utilize to your benefit, but there's also ways that you can really lose your audience in just this constant reading of, of script or too many articles that could have dead links. I mean, you have to have a fluidity. You've got to make sure everything's buttoned up. And I've taken online courses that didn't have any of those things. And I thought this is a waste of my time. I can't find exactly. So mine has um, PDFs, templates, mm -hmm. because nobody likes writing about themselves, right? It's hard. Right. It's hard. You know, it's like my clients are always like, well, I don't like to sell myself. I'm like, you're not selling. You are selling yourself. We all have to sell ourselves. So I have all these exercises, templates, PDFs. 
video tutorials that walk them through whatever the module is about. But I think the, the magic, it happens in the office hours yeah and the private groups so we have private groups set up where people can put their homework and stuff and i just you know i don't want to just have a course to have a course i want to have a course that makes a difference i want to have a course that people actually like and they finish and they get results yeah absolutely the implementation so now tell me what kind of a profile is someone um who's who's best for your courses or for your consulting are you looking for people who are in um sales driven in enterprises or product driven who can so, you kind of consult? So for the for the LinkedIn guide for the entrepreneurs, you know, how to turn your LinkedIn mm -hmm. profile into a lead magnet. Sales is great. Consultants, coaches, speakers, social media managers, contractors, freelancers. Um, also, we could do sales training, you know, how to teach your, tr uh, your sales team to lead on LinkedIn and have those um, leads coming to them directly. Right. Absolutely. So from both of these, um, you, um, I'm guessing, was it bootstrapped or did you in the very beginning and launching in 2014, did you have any funding, any seed capital, anything like that? No. no. That's why I'm like, I'm going to write a book of what not to buy your first year. You don't need to hire expensive coaches. Mm -hmm. I believe in coaches and I think there's a time and place for them. But that first year you're trying to, unless you, you already have a coach, you're really trying to figure things out. Yeah. Like what are your services? I think that you need to have a tribe. You need to have a community. I was a member of Hera Hub, And I have to say like, that was a great starting space for me to bounce ideas off of and to get feedback. I presented, um, some workshops there, which helped get my feet wet. And for everyone right? listening, Hera Hub is um, a kind of a female focused. Um, I know that you can join as men as well, but it's a co-working space that I'm not sure there it, it's internationally. I've interviewed two people. I interviewed yes. um, the founder, Felina Hansen, as well as love her Hera Hub in Sweden. Yes. And in Washington, DC, Orange okay. County, three here in San Diego, Mission Valley, Sereno Valley, Carlsbad, um, Arizona, there's one in Phoenix now. Yeah. So, so anyone listening, listening, um, that's the basis of it. And anyone who wants a backstory on the founder of that, listen to Felina Hansen. So you are a member of that community. That's an interesting one because I've always wondered, um, what the utility, like it feels like out of Hera hub. I mean, the office co-working environment has been heavily utilized for kind of what it sounds like you were doing, bouncing ideas off of people, getting useful information that they offer during lecture and things of that nature. But what did you personally receive from it? Well, I received a place where I could practice my speaking skills. So okay. I could go and I could do these business boosters. Mm -hmm. And there was a guideline and a template of how Felina likes them structured. And that helped me get in front of small groups to practice my trade, right? Mm -hmm. I could practice what I'm teaching. Was it valuable? They gave feedback. Um, I also was one of, I was the LinkedIn guru. They have guru hours. So I was a LinkedIn guru and I would sit in the lobby and people could come and ask me questions. Again, that practice that you need in the beginning of sharing, you know, what information are you sharing for free and what information does someone need to pay you for? Because mm -hmm. it's hard when you're starting off, you know, you want to be known, like I want to be someone that provides value all the time. We drop a Tuesday tip every Tuesday at 9 a.m. You can follow me. And every Tuesday, we, we're at 107 tips. Um, and so we drop free tips. But how much, it, it, when I was starting off as an entrepreneur, 
How much do I give away? How do I give that away so they want to work with me? And I think that is something that a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're starting up, that, that's something difficult. Like, well, I don't want to give them everything because I want them to hire me or mm-hmm. I want them to buy a contract with me. So how much do you give to be shown as that expert versus saying it in a way of like, I, you need to have um, a profile and here's three tips, but there's so much more that you need. This is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah. So I, I, feel, I feel like Harahub allowed me to practice my trade there in front of safe, in my opinion, it was a safe environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the big stage being thrown there or in an environment that I wasn't familiar with. Right. I'm curious with the, like getting into your platform, reaching back to what you said about LinkedIn, it reminds me of when, um, when I first started seeing job postings, what, four years ago on um, Instagram. I thought, this is so weird. Why is someone doing this? And now it's like the number one place, you know, aside from LinkedIn to learn about new job positions or Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I think that um, the creativity in that is that, you know, someone took a platform that was largely just based for photo sharing and small video files and decided that, you know, because they had a business account, they were going to put, you know, a job um, piece up there. And, um, and since then I've talked to doctors that have switched hospitals based on a job they found on Instagram. I mean, just so many different things, but I feel like LinkedIn has the same, um, prophecy built in. And ironically, it hasn't been fully utilized by at least not the people I know of even to date, you know, you can get some background information and people such as myself will research someone's academic history or something like that. If you're, if you're trying to get more information on a guest, but, um, I think that there are moments of kind of exactly what it sounds like the ethos of the LinkedIn bakery is in your coaching and consulting is that the tool's not being utilized to its fullest capacity for your given, you know, niche. And so Absolutely. to have a guide is, is I think crucial. Um, people tend to put a profile up, right? They'll even spruce it up, you know, create a custom headline, make that custom URL so that you'll rank higher on Google and LinkedIn because we all want to rank higher on social media. Um, But then they do nothing. You know, they Mm -hmm. do nothing. They wait until they need the platform and then they want it to work for them. And that's not how it works. I tell people that LinkedIn is a long game. It's not a short game, right? Mm -hmm. Get in it for the long game, for the payoff in a year, two years, three years, grow your strong and strategic network now, and it will serve you in the future. So for my job seekers, even once they secure a new job, I'm like, don't give up on LinkedIn, keep building your network, keep posting on there because you still want to stay top of mind and tip of tongue, as my girl Stephanie says, and you want to be ready. I love that saying, top of mind, tip of tongue. You want to be ready for that next career move because most jobs, the average length of a job these days is about three years, two months. That's from manpower. Uh-huh. So my job seekers need to be ready all the time. And for my entrepreneurs, you're always want to be filling your, your pipeline, right? Yeah. And somebody might be following you on LinkedIn. They're not ready to buy from you, to work with you, to hire you yet. But if you're top of mind and tip of tongue and you're known in your, if you're niched down, you know, female entrepreneurs, that's my target market, right? Mm-hmm. You're niched down and they're seeing that I'm constantly providing value and I'm letting them into who I am because I am on a couple other platforms. When the time is right, I have people that will reach out to me and say, I've been following you for a year, Mary. I'm like, wow. And they are silent. Like, I don't know they're following me. I don't, I don't, you know, they're not commenting 
on yeah. my posts and stuff. They might be watching. I do a my live show twice a month, you know, and I'll get a lot of views. I don't know everybody who's, you know, watching, but they're watching and you want to fill your pipeline, not Absolutely. just for 30 days, 60 days. You know, I'm talking long-term goals. Yeah. A thousand percent. So what are, speaking of goals, um, <laughs> over the next, that's a great segue. You led me right into it. Um, and I'm going to return it back to you. So over the next three years, um, what are your basic plans? Also, do you look at goals that way? Do you go as far out as three years? I feel like coaches and people like that have a really refined sense of goals and, you know, um, horizon tasks and things like that. So what is your particular flavor of that? And what are your future goals for your company? I love goals. Um, so I usually attend Felina's strategic planning day where we map out the goals for the year. And it's hilarious because I have these huge post-its still in my office with my goals for this year. Made some of them, didn't make some of them. Um, I really believe in setting goals. I believe in setting six months goals, reviewing them at six months, because most likely you're going to pivot. A service worked, a course worked, a course didn't work. You want more speaking gigs. So set at least your first six months of goals. My three-year goal is that we leave San Diego and we're moving to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, where my dad is and a nice. couple of friends have bought houses. Uh, we have a boat out there and I'd like to be closer to the boat <laughs> and to mm -hmm. the lake. Yeah. Um, and the goal next year, you know, I have, like I said, I have a virtual assistant and a resume writer. I'd like to have a small team. I'm not looking to build the Amy Porterfield of LinkedIn right? If you mm -hmm. guys don't know who Amy Porterfield is, she's local. She started with Facebook ads and now she has a digital course academy and she's fabulous. I love her podcast. I'm looking to build a small team of about five to eight people where we're producing done for you services. It's mm -hmm. something that we tested out this year because there's a lot of busy professionals out there that may know they need to have a better LinkedIn presence, but they don't have the time to write it. So we can do that for them. So I, that is something that I see next year happening. I see more courses coming and I see me reducing the number of hours I'm working because the packages are bigger and I have a team doing the work. That's right. the three-year goal. Excellent. How do you like your virtual assistant? I love her. Yeah. Do you find that there's a ton of, I'm curious because it's kind of just burgeoning, you know, I've, I've had friends using virtual assistants without having even that name on it for several years now, but, um, I've talked to people who've said, oh, it's genius, depending on the kind of work you need done. And I've had other people say, you know, it took so much explanation. It was just, it was the delegation. I, so I, th I feel like it's task oriented. It is know, task oriented. So, so I learned um, that to hire a VA the right way, so this is my third one, is that you actually, here's my tip, you guys. If you're thinking about hiring a VA, first you test them. You give them a project that will take less than an hour and you tell them that you want to see their work. So I did not pay her. I gave her a specific task that I knew was about 45 minutes and you see how long it's going to take them. And do they do a good job? Is it 90% right? If they can do that, then give them a try. If they can't get that done in the time and it's less than, you know, 90%, maybe 85, maybe 80% right. That's probably not the right person for you. Also, a VA can't do everything. Mm -hmm. You need to have different VAs. So my VA does email marketing, the social media. We're working on transcribing all the videos and she's taking over, like creating the Facebook events, all the social media stuff. She is great. I need someone else for videos. 
right? Yeah, She's not a video expert. Yeah. So, so my advice is hire the right VA for the right job. Don't hire one VA to do everything. Mm -hmm. Test your VA, give them a task. It'll take an hour. And if you don't think you can afford a VA, I'm telling you, it is the best decision that I made over a year ago. Start with two hours a week. That is how we started. Because it's scary to hand your business stuff over to a stranger in a different country. Right. That Mine is in the Philippines. And um, I've heard that the Philippine VAs are the best. FYI. Yeah, yeah so, I've heard that as well. Yeah. So start with just two hours a week or mm -hmm. an hour a week. Hand over something simple that isn't going to ruin your business if there's a mistake. And then just build on that. So we're up to eight hours a week now. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, and I, yeah, I think outsourcing, anyone who's looking at outsourcing, it's kind of a burgeoning industry and there's a lot of chatter online. I know that people can cross-reference. When I first started you know, thinking about um, a virtual assistant, things of that nature, I felt like it was a big... There have people had people with them. Um, I just spoke. I just interviewed someone who had an issue with identity theft through an assistant that was um, stateside. You know, that was here and working with her. And I think that the greatest fear of VA is when you're handing over, um, for instance, a social media manager account. You know, things of that nature. You're handing them over the identity of your business. And That's so true. And you have to. But I think there's vetting happening. Right. Yeah. And you have to, you have to be smart. So I use a password manager. She doesn't have any passwords. I can lock her out at any time. Okay. And you do that through all your social media accounts. That's interesting. She, yeah, she has um, access to all my programs that I use. I have a, a ton of different programs that we use yeah. for, you know, producing shows and the, um, uh, just the video stuff and transcriptions. So mm -hmm. everything's done via LastPass. So she doesn't actually have a password. The same, I also have a web designer on my team, right? So my web person, she has access through LastPass. Yeah. Do never give your passwords out. You don't need to in today's technology. And yeah. get a password manager. When I start working with entrepreneurs, I'm like, here's the basics. We go through it every, every on uh, my checklist is, do you have a password manager? And when they say no, I'm like, that's your number one priority. A business email and a password manager. Yeah. Right. You got to have those things when you're, you know, launching your business. Absolutely. For protection. I agree. And it's peace of mind. So if I'm wondering if someone um, kind of stumbled into you tomorrow at the park or at the lake, next time you're out on your boat, <laughs> rode up next to you and said, um, I, you know, I was kind of late to um, some of the game. I had a professional life. Then I went back to school and now things have kind of turned and it looks like I'm going to start my own company. And I'd be like, yes, congratulations. What are the top now, three pieces of advice you'd give her? Um, I, one piece of advice is if you don't have a big chunk of money, you should probably work part-time while you build your business. It takes longer to build a business to profit than you think. Mm -hmm. That is like the biggest thing. Um, and there's no shame in that, you guys. There is no shame in working full-time or part-time when you launch your business. A lot of people do it. You know what? They just don't talk about it. So there's no shame in that. Number two, uh, really work with a branding marketing person. Get your brand down the first time and it can change as you go along. But I think the, the more that you know your brand and your brand is on point, the better, the easier it is for you to market and for you to sell it. Absolutely. Um, Third, you don't need to be on every platform. 
that was one of the mistakes I made. I thought I had to be on every platform. And before I had a social media tool, I would get up in the morning. I'd be able to like, tell my husband, oh my God, I got to post on all these different platforms. And I would be copying and pasting until I had a social media tool. Pick two. Don't, you know what? Pick two that you are a rock star on. My two are LinkedIn and Facebook. I have an Instagram account. I post some stuff, but I don't engage. If you are not going to engage with your network and your community on that platform, don't be on it. Right. Yeah. Engagement absolutely. is key. So I've got, um, if you don't have a chunk of dough, it's, there's no shame in working part-time or full-time work with a branding marketing person and you don't have to be on every platform. Pick two. <laughs> I yeah. like that. That's really cool. You're the first person I think in the past year and a half that I've spoken with that one of the top three pieces of advice is based, well, it's very apropos given what you do, but, um, is based on, you know, limiting the social media platforms that you, I think you're right. People really waste time doing, you know, with this necessary post because the advice is the the kind of YouTube advice is like you got to stay present, and there's a difference between staying present and just kind of manically posting these half baked ideas across all platforms. And you do have to say pre stay present, but where are your clients? Like mm -hmm. my clients, my career clients, where are they? They're on LinkedIn looking for jobs. Right. <laughs> My entrepreneurs that don't know they need to be there. I love LinkedIn because I find so much value in content. I started with Facebook and for my generation, we're on Facebook. The younger generation, they're on Instagram. So if your clients are 25, right? 25 to 35, they're going to be on Instagram. So know your clients. And that's not to say you guys that you won't find clients on those other platforms that you won't get referred, but don't don't spend hours, hours every day trying to be on every platform. Be good on two. That's awesome. I love it. Well, we are out of time, but I wanted to say thank you so much, Mary. I know you have a crazy schedule and with the holidays upon us, it's magnified or amplified by 10. And so I just wanted to say thank you for giving us your time and your advice today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that everyone has a wonderful year end wrap up and you guys start setting those goals. Absolutely. We're looking forward to the new year. Let's get goal making. We'll, we'll circle back too. I would love to find out um, in a, about six months um, how, how your goals are looking and um, kind of reach in further to some of your advice. Sweet. I'd love awesome. to chat again. For everyone listening, thank you so much for giving us your time. And until we chat again, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte. Sláinte.